Hey, all of the Geek Freaks, I am Frank, and today I'm joined by Andrew Kafori. How you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. Andrew uh, leads up Battle Quest Comics, basically three really cool comic books. Uh, Battle Quest Comics, first off, where'd you get that name from? It really, you know, gets your attention. Well, I, I'd done my homework to have, um, you know, 200 names for a, a comic book publishing company. And so uh, my affiliate down in Hollywood had said, you know, you really need to get a good uh, a good publishing name. So I, I, I was, it was 2020, it hit, and I had nothing else to do. So I was sitting around and I said, well, you could do HeroQuest comics, mm-hmm. right? That sounds cool. Yeah. And then I was like, well, but you know, Hero, there's a lot of HeroQuest out there. So I was like, well, you could do battle books. Battle books is cool, but I like to make comic books. And yeah. then I was just like, you could do Battle Quest. There you go. And then I was like, then you could do Battle Quest comics. <laughs> I was like, well, that sounds really cool, doesn't yeah. it? And it's it's pretty genre appropriate with what it is that I like to create. So um then I went on GoDaddy.com and Battle Quest Comics was 99 cents. Well, there you go. Dot, yeah, dot dot com. So I went and bought that, and then I got all I got as much Battle Quest content as I could for the dot coms, you know. Yeah. And Went and uh, uh, applied for the trademark and, and built the logo and so. I like the logo too, especially with your guys' animation where the swords come down, boom, 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 and you see that battle quest roll in, and it's like, oh, that's dope. <laughs> well, no, I, I I like I like fantasy adventure, and I like stories where heroes go on journeys and have epic battles. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. I, so I was like, let's just make let's just make comics and stories about that because it's 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 very simple, but it's also really important, and it's got a, a big fan base when people start getting attached to those stories mm-hmm. that you can build, and um, they're exciting, they're fun. Yeah. You know? So it's just just do it. And that's the point, right? Is to have fun at the end of the day, and and totally, especially like Nomad so far, my favorite. Um, you just have a lot of fun with them, you know. So our three books that we're talking about here, we got Trident of Aurelia. Nomad and Steel Siege, right? Yeah, yeah. Are you're writing two of these? Are you writing all three? No. So I I, I wrote uh, Nomad and Steel Siege, and uh, the Trident of Aurelia is by Lee Moyer. Now Lee also and, uh, works on Nomad, though, right? Yeah, yeah. He works on um, uh, Nomad: The Unconquerable. He he's the painter. Mm-hmm. He's the art director, and he did a lot of story supervision on that project over several years. How did you build this team? You have quite a bit of people working on these three books. Did you go out and find them? Are the people that you already knew in your life or did you go out and find them for this project? Uh, uh, so Lee, uh, my mom's a, a manager of a children's theater oh, and wow. uh, Lee painted theater posters for her company. Hmm. So sometime back in 2013, I actually asked him if he would help me work in com, you know, uh, build up this, this comic IP. And he said he would do it if Aaron McConnell agreed to do it. Okay. Who's the, who's, so I asked Aaron McConnell yeah. if he would do it and he said no. <laughs> so I had to, I had to reach out to some other illustrators and and you know we 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 kind of built like a real like um uh like an early draft version of the universe and then uh Tom Morzachowski the letterer of the 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 classic run on the X-Men through Facebook agreed to work to to letter that comic book. Wow. And so when Tom Morzachowski agreed to letter it uh Lee agreed to paint it and when Lee agreed to paint it, Aaron agreed to pencil it. So it felt it, it came together like that. And then over the over the you know the 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 years that we built the Nomad universe, um, I think we just enjoyed working together and, and um, got like a no trust like factor with one another, and just decided that we should make um, fantasy adventure comic books and try to share them with people. Yeah, yeah. And you could tell that you guys work together and you guys have different ideas. Each each book feels so unique, but you do feel almost a voice amongst all of them. That um, it's nice to be able to pick up on when you start reading them. 
Uh, Nomad, let's start with that one real quick. Uh, let's talk about that because to me, I feel like the art style in this, it's like black and white, but the shading is so well done that it just, you get taken away. And for the most part, it feels like a lot of inner dialogue. Why did you try to choose to do that? Did you want to like make sure that you really got to know the character like a novel or what was the point for that? Um, that's a good question. So there, there, there's two answers to that. Um, the first is that Nomad is on the journey alone with nothing but his thoughts. Right. You know, and 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 he's thinking a lot to keep himself company. And then the the second answer to that is that when the script was originally written, it was much more terse than it is now. Okay. His thoughts were very like my my goal was for the reader to turn the page really quickly. Yeah. Uh, but what Tom Orzachowski said was that the early comic books uh, had very dense lettering. Yeah. And the reason why they had this dense lettering is that the writers were inspired by the radio teleplays that <laughs> came before them. Mm -hmm. And that by put by by populating the page with as much story as they could, they put themselves in a position where, you know, one sentence on one page that that says something about, you know, uh, Spider-Man's, uh, you know, cousin, hypothetically, mm -hmm. uh, you can turn that into an entire six part arc, right? That like you're populating the page with so much story that future storytellers can just take the sentence and they can create an entire universe wow. or series out of it. Yeah. So the idea was to, instead of being terse with Nomad was to really breathe like life into the, the, the world mm -hmm. by, by putting as much like story as you could on the page. And so I think that was where the voice of Nomad came from. It was originally supposed to be really kind of simple, and then it expanded into let's let's like make a real like kingdom out of this world, yeah. a real a real world, a real land, and let's follow what the the people who came before us did by having just a bunch of story on the page. Yeah, you really have kind of three layers to it too, because one is that you know this is a character that's been alone this entire time, so you're almost afraid that that Nomad might slip into insanity, and he talks about how he's he's had moments like that. And then you have the dreams that are heartbreaking, though. They don't last long enough, but they're unfolding a world. You're, he's exploring another world. So you have all these different layers going on. So what you're saying there makes perfect sense. You're really, God, the spinoffs write themselves at this point. It's <laughs> a lot of really good ideas there. Yeah, I, 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 um, I deferred to Tom's wisdom in that. Yeah. And I, and I didn't know that the old comic books, you know, that they were inspired by the radio teleplays. So. Neither did I, but I think the Superman one right away. Yeah, that's such a big deal back in the day. That's cool. Well, and and yeah, and and Tom had said he'd said, you know, if it wasn't for all the story in those early comics, we might not have had so much story to continue to expand on. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is which is just so it's, it's cool to think about. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about you know, I'm reading Thor Donny Cates right now, and and our pages that are real you know beefy like that, and some that go fast, and I wonder if that's something that come uh, current day comic book writers in DC and even Marvel or something like that are thinking that because you're setting up a pretty cool world here. Uh, even with Berlin, we have Berlin. It looks like a small village, but it, right away you're like, okay, well, the hunt, the wife's hunting at night. He's setting up to try to impress Tyon, which is a god of theirs. And you're kind of creating all kinds of lore that I'm just like, let's, oh yeah, there's this robot coming in, but I want to sit in the sit. I want to sit in Berlin for a little longer. I want to know more what's going on here. <laughs> Great job. Thank you. The 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 future stories, uh, the future like so issues. I think two, three, four, five, and six have mini comics in the back that explore some of those cool. other um, those were a little bit more of the village, a little bit more of, of the places Nomad goes, a little bit more of the beasts and the 
preachers and, and things like that. Yeah. It gave me uh, yeah, elf, no, quest, elf quest vibes a little bit, which is like, I mean, that's 80s gold right there. <laughs> yeah, no, totally, totally. I, I, I think there's something about the f- fantasy is an interesting genre because, um, I, you know, I always say like, so horror's got that built-in base. You know what I mean? Like if you could build an, I love low budget horror movies. Oh, yeah. I love a short horror story. I love a horror novel. Right. Right. And I tried to write those, but I always just sounded like I was Stephen King's like wannabe, you know, I, I you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so like, which, and there's nothing wrong with that, by the no, way, of course, but, um, but, but, you know, fantasy, uh, has a much smaller fan base unless it gets popular mm-hmm. and then everyone on the planet knows about it. Right. Yeah. Like if you're Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings or a space opera, like Star Wars. And, and it's, it's just, it's just interesting how that works. So, yeah. so less people like I think invest in fantasy as a result because it's it's expensive to make. There's a, there's a smaller fan base, but if you're committed and you really, you really like are dedicated to the craft and, and really try to make something, you know, that can reach people, you'd be, be surprised how, how, how well people actually like, like resonate with good fantasy. Yeah. And I think with sci-fi, there's, there's an idea of like, you know, we talk about it on one of our spinoff podcasts where, Sci-fi is looking at modern day through a lens of sci-fi, but with fantasy, you're building a world. And so every good fantasy has a map. You have a map for this as well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that like fantasy delve into the map and like, oh, what's over here? We don't know about this place yet. And of course you will. <laughs> so um well, and, building that and up. I think that I think also fantasy, like this is just this is just my opinion, but like like some people said that when Tolkien, when when the Lord of the Rings came out. There was a there was a, a body of thought that said that fantasy was escapism, mm-hmm. and that Tolkien was slightly irresponsible as a writer for not focusing on the problems of our time, right. but but more like creating. But the thing is, is that what he had actually done was he dug deeper into the roots yeah. of human condition to talk about this cyclical pattern that we're all stuck in, mm-hmm. where um, every generation will deal with its calamity. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And 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 that that generation will will, you know, hopefully unite to put their differences down to deal with this calamity and and create some moment of peace. And then, you know, they will get older and the next generation will deal with the calamity. Yeah. You know, and that how could anyone say that doesn't deal with, with the with the conflicts of our time, right? <laughs> and and that calamity can be anything like Sauron, Sauron could be COVID. Yeah. It could be a he could be a war. He could be um, you know, a, a crisis in your family or or whatever that that's Sauron represents something um so 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 deep and cyclical to to the nature of of decay in society, right? Yeah. And where decay takes the human condition. Yeah. Um. So so that's that I think fantasy at its core delves deeper into the roots. Yeah, and kind of at the baser things like love, friendship, leaning on the baser yes. things to get through the tough moments when I yes, mean, it's perfect. Yes. Now, now, if you do Game of Thrones, right, that's a little bit more like, like, um, uh, maybe the more like, like the, 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 the human component yeah. while the fantasy is in the background. Right. Yeah. You know, um, uh, so, so, so yeah, I, 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 these are all just things like that I've, I've, I've picked up over the course of like exploring, you know, uh, being a fantasy creator and yeah. a comic creator. You're building an amazing world here. We, we, and, and you are introducing some like sci-fi elements to this, right? Something that we would associate. We have 
things are interrupted when an alien, <laughs> I assume alien, yeah. but a robot crashes in. Yeah, but a, an alien robot. Alien exactly robot. But it fits yeah. into the religion is something that's so cool. Right, right. He goes to the wise guy and the wise guy's like, oh yeah, the gods are testing you. What? That's such a smart move. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, you know, to, to me, it's like, I think sword and sorcery versus aliens, there's kind of a side to this. So let's say I went to film and television and I said, I've got sword and sorcery versus aliens. Yeah. Right now. I think a comic book reader is like, that's awesome. Right. That's cool. I think a television producer is like, I don't get it. It's a comedy at best. Yeah. Yeah. It's a comedy at best. Right. Well, it's better have a lot of readers to be interested in this, but, but like, um, because like they know the genre of sword and sorcery, which is sort of like primal human, survival mode right? right like and then aliens right that's science fiction that's different yeah how do you blend science fiction and fantasy together now star wars, star did wars it yeah. space, <laughs> right star wars did it in a space opera but you know star wars is is a, you know the origin of star wars is like masterful mythology that even joseph campbell i like, could analyze right? right but um uh i i would just say to people give it a chance Totally. Give it a chance because I think that Nomad creates a container of credibility for that story. Yeah. Like like you picked up on. You know, I hope you picked up on oh, that. Yeah. Like I, I think that it's it's very, very clear and apparent that these two worlds like can not only coexist in the same story, but be in diametric opposition to one another. Yeah. Yeah, right. There's, and there's like, a and big mystery, like there's a big overarching mystery, and you're connecting them. You're like, oh snap, it's all connected, really. And the the inner dialogue is not only the inner dialogue of Nomad, but it's us as we're reading it. And we're starting to put things together and realize that, like, this empty world, why is it empty? And then you start to figure out why, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no, I, I appreciate you saying that because I'm, um, you know, it, I think Nomad and BattleQuest and all of that really kind of came out of left field for the industry. Mm -hmm. do, do you know what I mean? Because we've only been on the market for, we're going into, we're, we've only been on the market for two months. I think yeah. we talked off camera, but I've, yeah. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been creating comics for 10 years. Yeah. I've been doing the Comic-Con circuit for seven years yeah. and now we're in bookstores all over the world, yeah. but we're only two months in. And yeah. so we've got, we got four more issues of Nomad to come out and then we'll have the trade paperback, you know, and, and, That's and so, so <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's wild. Yeah. It's a wild story. And so give us until 2023, the end of 2023, we'll have Trident of Aurelia, Steel Siege, Nomad, the Unconquerable. And then we'll have our other uh, titles we're going to launch. Uh, we call it Battle Quest Phase Two. Okay, there'll be new stuff coming. Yeah. So you guys got you guys signed a deal with Diamond Distributors, right? We did. Which we did. If those guys who kind of follow comic book creators side things, that's like next tier, man. That's like such a big deal. Like you're talking big dogs there, and that's got to feel good, right? Did you go to a comic book shop immediately and pick up everything you could? That's what I would do. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, I went to Excalibur and I went to Cosmic Monkeys and I did some signings. We're, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. I'm not sure where you're at. I'm, I'm, yeah, Northern California. What, what I did do, is, so what, you're in Cali. So so what I did do is um, I got I went to a publisher convention yeah. uh, in early Febu February 2022. And um, this was pretty wild. Like I logged into the convention and on the Zoom call, was uh you know dc comics marvel comics vault comics oh. boom studios uh jim lee was on this call <laughs> well, lose my shit right there <laughs> right yeah everybody just pop up pop, 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 yeah. popped up and um the gentleman who was hosting the meeting because what was happening is they're doing presentations to the retail stores so they can see what the what the annual um 
plan is. Right. And so the gentleman who's hosting the meeting was like, hey, everybody, BattleQuest just logged on, you know, say hi to BattleQuest. <laughs> and I was like, wow. That's so cool. That, 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 yeah. Yes. And then, and then I got to give a speech, um, you know, to the retail stores and, and, and really also get to meet the other publishers and learn a little bit about their business models and uh, what their goals were for the year. And, um, but I, I'd been, like I said, I've been creating comics for 10 years by the time I got into that meeting. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, we just built something up overnight and all of a sudden, boom, we just dropped in the industry or something like that. Like, you know, I, I'd, I'd been, you know, I'd been organically growing the company. So I, I knew, I knew, like, I don't, I knew what I was talking about. Right. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really understand the direct market that well, but like, I knew like the stories I was telling belonged on the direct market. Yeah. And and it's like, you guys have heard from like actors and comedians and different professions where there's definitely a starting area where you hit the pavement, you're on the tour, you're doing everything you can for you guys, conventions and, and even Kickstarters and stuff like that to the point where, yeah, you're in that conference call with Jim Lee. And you got Diamond sitting there putting your stuff out in local comic book shops. It's not, it's not overnight. You, Ten years, of course, there's a moment where you catch fire, which is always wonderful, of course. But you know, you guys have earned the spot you're at now, and that's just it's cool to see the well, progress. And, yeah, and Di- Diamond's been cool. Yeah, like Diamond's been cool. It, it's funny, like that. The, the the there is no. I've I've learned a lot about the industry and 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 publishing and and who is involved and how film and television is associated with this and and why IPs get get developed and why some are successful and why some aren't and um honestly a lot of it really is people doing their best in a very difficult situation yeah did you know do you know what I mean and 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 there is there is um um a lot of feelings that get hurt and things are not perfect and sometimes terrible things happen like sometimes do you know what i mean like things get marketed the wrong way or or comics don't get printed right or shipments get lost or damaged or broken but i mean really truly at the end of the day i i I do believe there's a method to the madness and and the people involved are, are actually trying to help yeah and that that surprised me because i'd heard like a lot of really bad things going in you know what i mean there's a lot of competitiveness in the market as well understandably but there's also a level of teamwork and like hey all all boats will float together kind of thing and there's and there's the big leagues there's 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 the top two you know what i mean and like the top two you know we all should want them to be successful of course yeah we all should want them to be successful and and we we and and so so it's interesting to me that there's so much dialogue online about picking everybody apart Mm -hmm. Because what we actually all need is we need like audiences that are really happy, readers that are really happy, and and the top creators who are able to reach their audiences with good products in a timely manner. Right. That helps everybody. That keeps your podcast going. That oh, keeps yeah. my books on the shelves. Um, quite frankly, even if you have, you know, like a, a rage farm industry and you want to just diss it, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's keeping you going too, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, so that so so learning that those people aren't your competitors. They're they're not your partners either, but right. you know, just, just as a human being, one on one, like wanting them to succeed, and 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 th- that's something I had to kind of adjust my mind to a little. Yeah, bit. no, no doubt, especially with with how hard you've you've worked to get here. But yeah, the idea of like, look, it might be Batman that gets him in the comic book shop, but it's my cover that they're going to stop and take a look at. You know, that's the way you got to look at it. You know, <laughs> it's like when we talk yeah. we talk about DC all the time, especially this last month. Of course, we've been talking about DC, and of course, talking smack about all their choices right now. But then it's like. Well, in the comic books, they do this. So go check it out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. Right. So if the movie is all jacked up yeah. and does something that's just goofy, you could still like 
is that is that comic book drawing brand is that movie drawing brand awareness to the comic right. and all the comics that came before it and is it keeping the discussion alive or whatever i i actually it, one thing that was interesting about that that publisher convention was learning the differences between how marvel and dc do business yeah so like um dc i, I described them as like the matrix do you know what it did? Like, like if you know that movie, The Matrix, oh, course, like yeah. how they're all wearing sunglasses and they're in black oh, or whatever. Okay. Like, they're kind of cold and corporate. Yeah, okay. But they're crude and tactical, and yeah. like when they move, they're like, oh. yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that, right? That that's like that's what DC Comics were, and I, actually they had a really cool idea, which was that they have four movies coming out. Um, was it? It's Shazam, Black Adam. I think Aquaman maybe got postponed yeah. or whatever, but Shazam, but but so Batman. So those movies when they came out every single comic book store was going to get a rack uh, and that rack would be based on, on that movie. Like it would feature That's that cool. movie and, and the, the character in that movie, this rack would be populated with comic books that that store could sell. And it was a total giveaway. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think they were dropping like, they were dropping like almost a million dollars on this. Oh, what a good idea. It gets people in the shop. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great idea. So if the movie comes out, go to the comic book store and see the big Batman rack and it's filled with all these cool Batman titles. That helps the store. Yeah. That gets people jazzed. Um, Marvel was different. Marvel, Marvel was like, uh, it, it, well, for, you were saying Donnie's Donnie's Thor, right? Yeah, yeah. That 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 guy is like a really upstanding dude. Okay, I, I got to see him like talk about his comics or whatever. Cool. He, he's a really upstanding guy. The um, the the publishers at Marvel were more like um, you know, like they were like Stan Lee kind of. They were like. Who's in Iron Man's armor? You'll find out in issue six of, you know, like, what is it? Is, is, is Iron Man like Catwoman now or something like yeah. that? Or, or or the Black Cat? Did the Black Cat steal Iron Man's armor? I don't know. Has that I come have out no yet? clue. I, I, right now, I, I'm so I, I'm basically just paying attention to Thor and Venom. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's too much. Thor and Venom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Thor, right. And that, even that, that's too much. Yeah. So, so th they were more, more like children. Yeah. They were Marvel. Marvel Comics was more like children, and they were playing. Yeah. And DC Comics was more like adults, and they were like. It's anyway, interesting I don't know though. That, I don't it's know almost like sense. one was kind of pitching to the fans, while the other one was pitching to, the published, like the business side of things. It's interesting that that's how yeah. that was working out. That's it. That's weird. Yeah, that, I would say yeah. That that that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So back to your comics over at the Battle Quest. We've got Steel Siege as well. Right away, I'm kind of like, okay, who's in these suits? We've got these big suits running around. Um, and there's definitely different colors. You can tell one suit almost looks like it's more futuristic than the others. Uh, we have some really cool characters. Were you inspired by anything in particular for this? Um, the Mad Max movie. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the Mad Max movie, which, um, uh, I, I, you know, I, I didn't know a lot about Mech War comics. Mm-hmm. I didn't really under and so the first thing I wanted to do was really understand how those stories work and why uh, readers are so attracted to those stories. Yeah. And so I began to study the history of BattleTech, which uh, is an incredible mythology. Uh, are you Are you familiar with BattleTech? I'm not, how but I'm, I'm writing it down right now to look it up. Yeah. Well, it's 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 basically in a nutshell, it's that um, humankind eradicated weapons of mass destruction. Okay. Right. So immediately there and it's sort of and, and and thousands and thousands of years have gone by since the eradication of WMD. So it's sort of ingrained in people that that's lunacy to have such a weapon. Right. And then at the space empires, I think it was like a Mars colony had these games where the machines would fight each other. 
And over thousands more years as the global empire expanded, that you know evolved into people being inside of those machines. And then the empires at war using these machines against one another. Okay. Um, and so it was like, that's why they didn't like just wipe each other out with, with huge weapons because the WMDs were gone, but they, they fought with these machines and the rules of how these machines functioned over like a battlefield and like, like the terrain and which ones, you know, would be high up shooting down and which ones would have water access and which ones would be better land vehicles and Hmm. which ones were more like pawns you would send into the battlefield and which one was more, do you know, like how all of that worked was just fascinating. Yeah. And, and I realized that this is this is a great universe. Yeah. So I, I wanted to tell a story it, it, that was about, you know, inspired by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right there and you're so, setting up different classes. It almost reminds me of video game stuff. Like you yeah. have classes and stuff like that. So really, you could just delve into any corner you want to and explore. Like, hey, we're in the water area now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 so so Steel Siege is a story about um you're on like that very edge of of an intergalactic empire and uh the empire is actually withdrawn from this planet and the 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 people who lived on the planet before the empire came there have decided to go back to war over the limited resources that are available so there's a city that's under siege that the ruler class is inside of and that city used to belong to the groups that are attacking them Mm -hmm. Right. Because the empire put this other group in, in, in power. Right. 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 When, when they, they were running. right. So now the empire is gone and there's a cataclysm. And there's uh, the story focuses on a soldier, a former soldier who has decided he's going to be a uh, uh, he scalvage. He's he's he, what is that, a scalvager, salvager, salvager. He salvages, yeah, yeah, yeah. salvages parts and he sells them to the black market. Yeah. And he, he he wants nothing to do with the wars. Right. right. Because. The, the the in his mind civilization is no good it's not worth fighting for only self-preservation matters and um what happens is a diplomat comes to the to the planet okay. and she is bringing the, the the promise of peace yeah and only problem is she gets shot out of the sky and she lands near the battlefield where there's a bunch of these you know horrible machines with these bloodthirsty pilots killing one another and so our guy has to make a choice um, is he going to, you know, a try to help her, and b will he try to get her to her destination because she could make peace? But if he's going to do that, he's going to have to fight, right? And that's the one thing he doesn't want to do because he wants nothing to do with with the 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 wars, yeah. right? So it's a story about him make you know, facing that moral dilemma. Yeah, you have to fight and, one and, last time to bring eternal peace. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's, and 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 that's a big part of battle quest stories is, is like. I want to tell stories where characters fight so there's peace tomorrow. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not that they get caught in war forever that goes on. Right. And and so I, I thought that was an important story to talk about, an important story to to just explore, explore that character and and explore that universe. And um, so I was really lucky to work with a guy named Eric Vargas. Mm-hmm. He's the penciler on the project. And he also created all the mechs. Okay. He created the rules of the mechs. Um, I wish he was here because he could tell you all about every little thing yeah. they can do. How which rockets fire? Who's got a laser? Who's, um, you know, I, 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 I kind of we sort of did a, a Marvel method with it, where I was like, okay, we need, I need this. Can you give me this? Yeah. And he, he, he did that work for. Well, the pacing for Steel Siege is very quick pace. It feels like, I mean, once you get into a fight, yeah. you're turning pages fast, basically, right? You just gotta get mm-hmm. what's going next, and then 
yeah, the, each of the mechs have um, a clear identity, which is hard to do sometimes with like robots. But you know, we've seen it with something like Optimus Prime. You know, it's blue, red. You know what he is. You we definitely have that here, and especially once the uh, what was it, the ambassador that you're saying, like she has such oh, the, the, dip, the yeah, diplomat. diplomat. You yeah, could tell yeah. like her suit almost looks like it's from a further reached future, and it's like, oh, that's mm -hmm. the promise of peace. If you're peaceful, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, you get a better mech, <laughs> basically. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, yeah, and then so the, the people on, on the war-torn planet, they're using older tech, yeah. right? Like the Empire, the Empire gave them some, some uh, you know, some technology to improve the tech that they had, but they're basically fighting with older models. Yeah. She shows up and she's got the smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, right. Yeah, she's she's got the iPhone 13 or whatever. And and that that's kind of what she was supposed to represent. That's going to add so much more to their journey together too of like maybe she can do something that he can't and it almost will feel like magic, like having a wizard along for the adventure kind of thing where you know she yeah. she knows what's going on, she might have something some sort of advantage. And uh very much so. And and she's and she's not helpless. Yeah. She's not helpless. You know, she she's she can fight back, but she 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 needs someone who is more uh, skilled in in the in the arena of combat she's going into yeah. to be her guide. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then in return, she guides our our guy by hopefully you know making him see, uh, you know to to think less for himself, but to 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 be more of someone who will sacrifice for the benefit of others. Yeah, because he has a noble idea and a noble cause. It's just fostering into that to some sort of action, not isolating yourself. That's not what's going to be beneficial for everybody. It's taking your exactly. thought and spreading it. You know. Exactly. Ex exactly. Right. Right. He's he's definitely. And and what I'd like to do with Steel Siege is, is you know explore explore that universe. I I actually think readers are going to love Steel Siege. You have Nomad. You have Steel Siege, um, and then mm -hmm. we have. Um, sorry, we have Nomad. The Trident. Of there you go. Yeah. yeah. What are your plans for these? How long are you wanting to tell these stories? Yeah, so we actually have about 24 issues of Nomad. Okay. Now, Nomad's going to go on for... There's going to be several miniseries that gets broken right. up into. Um, the Trident of Aurelia is going to be launched as a, as a four-parter, which will then have its trade paperback. And then part of Battle Quest Phase 2 will be more Trident of Aurelia. Okay. Another four issues. Um, and just and then with Steel Siege, Steel Siege is a three-parter that's going to be combined as a trade paperback. And I would like to make more Steel Siege. It, it's hard to make a mech comic. I bet. It's just... it's. Yeah. Um, I would like in the future to have a publishing company that once a month is putting out a really high quality fantasy adventure comic book, which features epic battles. Yeah. You know that, that, and, and, and then, and then from there, use that as like a foundation that you can expand that into other mediums. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, 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 I'm already thinking like we've got, we've got, Video games out of what we're talking about so far. We've got those classic board games. We got, I could really could see that, you know. Uh, yeah, you're definitely building the world where that's definitely possible. Yes, yeah, totally. I, and I wanted to just start in the story. Yeah. The story, just start on the story, make the comics, and go from there. Um, I would love to be working with, with gamers, with film and television, yeah. with, um, uh, uh, you know, role-playing game creators, um, with, 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 you know, Toy makers, uh, you name it. I just think we're a really small company right now. Yeah, but you we're like we're, yeah. you have lofty, you have possible goals. And are you thinking about bringing more people in? Or are you like let's focus on these three stories? Well, you have more you you said planned for next year, phase two. But are you going to be bringing outside talent in at any point into your new publishing company? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm I'm, I'm looking at, at new pencilers and new inkers right now and new colorists right now. Um, the, so the goal for the phase two is to have, you know, four titles instead of three. Yeah. And then the you're saying each story has a, a new cover coming out each month. Or are you planning on like one from one of the four? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so well, hopefully everything will come out as a mini series. Okay, perfect. Right. Yeah. So, 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 right. So, so, so you'll have a mini series, um, like a, you know, you'll have Nomad one through six, then you got the, the trade paperback and you got Trident of Aurelia one through four trade paperbacks, Steel Siege one through three trade paperback, go back to Nomad, yeah. the, the next wave one through six. And then, um, also what I want to do is create uh mini comics and epics. Yeah. So what I'm going to present to the publisher, excuse me, the, the retailers um, at the Diamond Summit in October is that we will be printing and giving out free BattleQuest mini comics. Mm -hmm. So like maybe twice a year, we'll, we'll, we'll flood the market with BattleQuest mini comics, which would be like maybe like 22 page comic book with a couple short stories. Yeah. It's a bit like free comic day, right. but we'll just be giving it out to the stores and they can charge, you know, a dollar for it if they want. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one is the BattleQuest Epic. And so the battle quest epic will be like an annual and it'll be a one shot. Nice. And so, and so with the one shots, those will be like a self-contained story that will be like, that's it. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like maybe, maybe, maybe we would do another one next year in this universe or whatever. Yeah. So um, we'd have our, our basic, our, 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 our featured titles, our flagship titles that we do that come out monthly, our mini comics and our epics. Yeah. I like the way you're doing that though, because then, yeah, you have this mini series in the trade. Um, it's giving you time to first off, you complete an arc. So you get a full story, which is always good. Um, nothing, nothing worse than jumping in on an X-Men and not figuring out why Mr. Sinister's there. If you're good there, but then also it gives you time while you're coming out with, you know, something else, still siege, you're working on the next nomad behind the scenes. You're getting it really well published and, and are polished and, and ready to go. It, you're taking mm -hmm. your time to do it right, which is awesome. Uh, let's talk about Trident of Aurelia real quick. And, and again, the, the mm -hmm. first thing that comes out to me when I'm thinking about this is each of these comics have such a different, while they, they feel almost like the same voice in a lot of ways, the, the unique colors, unique art style. And this one, we're looking at mermaids and God, the freaking tails are so cool on these guys, right? They look like these big regal dresses. That's <laughs> something cool. Listen, I'm not lying. Trident of Aurelia is going to be one of the best trade paperbacks in the world when it's done. Yeah. There, there, there will be nothing at the top tier that it cannot compete with. Yeah. The, the Trident of Aurelia is created by a Hugo Award-winning fantasy creator, Lee Moyer. Mm -hmm. And I, I, he he did one of the first book cover. I think he might have done the first book cover for Game of Thrones. Oh, wow. Way, way back in the yeah, early 90s, I, but mid-90s. I remember that art, those art scenes that were like, you know, yeah. discussions with Tyrion and stuff like that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And he, um, he, he you know, was around when Neil Gaiman was, was, was blown up and, you know, with the Sandman series and things like that. And Lee Moyer is an incredible, has an incredible understanding of, of fantasy. Yeah. And what he did with this series was he had actually created something for wizard magazine mm -hmm. and it was supposed to be uh, a mermaid universe. And in this universe, um, the mermaids uh, populated a city and the city was filled with seawater and the seawater came out above the ocean. And so the idea was that the mermaids could sort of go up into their towers, right? Oh, and wow. like look out over the sea in there. I mean, it was it was rad, but um, you know, wizard turned it down. And and mermaids are a bit like my little pony. They have an incredibly yeah. like intense following, right? right? So so when we needed some ideas, he said, Well, I've got this mermaid universe I've created. And I said, Well, what's the story? And the story is, do you know how in The Little Mermaid, 
she has the tail, but she wants the feet right to go on land. Yeah. So this is more the opposite. Right. This is someone who has legs and they go into the water and she she unites with her 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 people. She 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 transforms into her more true self, into her mermaid more true self. She she gets the staff of or the trident of her mother, mm -hmm. and they go to liberate the city from these beings called the spined ones. And the spined ones took it long ago. Yeah. And the spined and and this all kind of leads to this climax where there's a leviathan okay. that's like wrapped itself around the tower, and um. Then it, it delves deeper into like the mysteries of what went wrong with the civilization and the corruption in their gods. Mm. And um, it pits them against like the forces of, you know, the, 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 the primordial beings that their, their people worship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's, it's, it's bananas. Giving it like this, a very story. ancient feel, like everything there was even before yes. predates earth or yes. humanity walking around kind of thing. This this story this story has mermaids versus crustacean abominations, mm -hmm. leviathans, gods, armies, um, and 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 each one of the mermaids in the story has its own unique um, rules, like 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 the species of mermaid that it yeah. is, and they've got their friendships and their loves and and their relationships with their families, and um, the art is uh, especially once the second issue kicks in. Okay uh is is off the hook it's already off the hook like, but like the, it, yeah who yeah knew that lighting was so important in a comic book but i'm telling you guys yes you watch her diving down in that water and it's like wow it's so yeah. well done yeah, <laughs> yeah no and 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 you know when i was just at seattle comic-con um so many um a lot of kids were at that comic-con yeah. because it was in summer so a lot of kids came and so many girls, little girls, were like, "Mommy, mommy, or daddy, daddy, I want the, I want the mermaid." Yeah, one. of course, yeah. I want the mermaid one, right? Can I get the mermaid one? And we had to say, "Well, it's inside of the comics." We didn't, it, it, you know, right. I mean? we used the other two for the covers, but um, we're gonna have that story more featured uh, going forward because it gets published in in February of 2023. But that story is also penciled and inked by uh, Melissa Spandry, wow. who is an illustrator out in Italy. And she is off the hook. Huh. She 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 is a comic book illustrator. She is a fantasy creator, and she is a martial arts instructor. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just as a side so, gig, that's right. awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. She is she, she she's off the hook, yeah. and she's sitting here turning in you know two three pages of this comic a day. That's amazing. Do, do you know? Yeah, she's just she's just she's just dropping off pages yeah. and then leaves painting it, and I'm. I'm incredibly excited. Now that is Lee Moyer's story. Mm -hmm. uh, he he's leased it to BattleQuest, so that's a creator-owned title that I'm publishing. And um, uh, it's it, it's I, I'm really 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 excited for. Oh, it. Oh, it's it's and, so and, cool and, already. The yeah. world they're building. I'm already like, you know, just not to not to spoil too much, but you get it off the off the little intro there. The, the very short part is like not enough. Um, but yeah, you're wondering mm -hmm. like, why are the humans pushing this person into the water? They're talking about like this red god, which is like well, first you're thinking witch trials, and that's not the case. And then as soon as she touches the trident, it opens up this whole thing. Like, did she know she was a queen beforehand? Like, there's so many questions that are being answered, brought up, and then answered immediately. And it's so cool. It's it's setting up a world well, wait, I want to jump wait, in on. Wait till you see when they start fighting these lobster abominations. Yeah. The, 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 uh, I mean, and then you start seeing the underwater city, yeah. like what it was like before. The, the the fall and after the fall and learning about their gods and which one of their gods was potentially corrupt mm. 
And and how did that God, like, how did that God have so much influence over their people? And where is that God today? And it's, it's, um, it's, it's so like the hunt for Atlantis, arguably as an archetype is very much about the, the, the quest for wisdom. Right, right. Right. The idea is that an ancient civilization no longer with us had the answers that we're missing. And I think what Lee wanted to say with Trident was more like, you know, maybe the the ancient civilization that we're looking for, maybe we thought they had wisdom, maybe they made a mistake. Right. And maybe that mistake is something that's actually haunting us to this day. We don't know about Mm -hmm. it. And so it's really about, you know, kind of taking, like I was saying, like, like, like you sort of flip the little mermaid story on its, on its, on its tail a little bit, no pun intended, but (laughs) she goes from legs into the water and she joins the people. Right. right? Um, She joins a world she belongs to as opposed to a world she doesn't belong to. Um, And, and, and um, instead of, you know, seeking an ancient city for its wisdom, it's seeking an ancient city to find out what went wrong. And, and then a missing wisdom that it sounds like what you're saying, not to interrupt you, but it sounds like, um, once she uncovers it, it'll be the, the, what they went did wrong. It'll solve. It's like missing, like the missing innocence, like all of a sudden, boom, we're all much happier. Life is better. And it mm-hmm. will that resonate with the people above water Is the people on land also missing that. Yeah, I, that's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I, I got to drag in Lee Moyer to answer okay. and talk more <laughs> about that stuff. Uh, but like, I, I got to worry. He, 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 unlike me is like, um, He's he's a he's 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 just he's just a really good fantasy creator. Yeah. I'm a down to earth publisher. Yeah. He's 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 a wild fantasy. Creator, oh, he's got so. a whole world in his head. We just we're trying to get peeks at. It, is basically what it's, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. But I'm I'm I, I so so Battle Quest has it has Nomad the Unconquerable, which is um I think it'd be the best Netflix binge in the world. I ain't lying to you about yeah. that. Like it's 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 a very traditional kind of mythologically inspired uh you know fantasy series. Then we have the Trident of Aurelia. Which you know features these mermaid warriors battling you know th- these these um, like I said these crustacean abominations these leviathans these gods and then you have Steel Siege and Steel Siege is a title about um, you know uh, humanity enduring you know when, when the state functions as a machine if you will yeah. right you know right so so like um, I just made that up by that the worked way out well though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, right. but but we have these three different titles that I think balance 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 each other out really yeah. well. Um, there, uh, there's something in there for everyone. Literally, I was, I was waiting for that saying to come out, like classic saying, but like yeah. literally, if you're, if you're somebody who's wanting some like eighties transformer, something fast paced like that, boom, you got it. I, I, myself, I'm, yeah. I'm really gravitating towards nomad and just like this whole, like the inner dialogue thing specifically. I really like that where you're really kind of getting into his thought process and it's just, it's such a cool world. Well, no, and nomad, you know, like. I think the thing is that I was really inspired by the old Star Treks, the old Star yep. Treks. Yeah. And I, I, I really love that episode, The Cage. Oh, yeah. Classic first episode. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I like I liked the fact when they did the two parter, just the idea that like Captain Pike is in this terrible predicament. But but there's there's this hope. Yeah, there's this hope that like, like, you know what I mean? Like at the end, when Kirk sees him and he's out of the he's out of the the um the the confinement of 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 his his um it's like a wheelchair future his, wheelchair his, yeah his chair, yeah, yeah. And he's young again and he's with Ula and and these beings who have been so kind of like controlling and cruel or actually there's a side to them that's really loving and caring and they're actually really trying to help yeah. you know and and this idea that maybe he could go and live forever in a weird way and with 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 and have love and stuff and Kirk sees that and I I really 
really believe in in the elation of the human condition. And so what I wanted, and, and stories evoking the elation of the human condition, and I wanted Nomad to be a story about no matter how much hope seems lost, uh, a protagonist can, through their creativity and their strength and their compassion, um, you know, like, like, like set the world right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like do something to yeah. help people. And, and so I wanted to create a world that was filled with emptiness and loneliness and sadness, but hopefully out of that, something good happens. Right. Do you know what uh, I mean? totally, and, yeah. and that we, yeah, yeah. And we, as people are capable of, of, of doing good things. And then I like the way you're saying that, because when you go back to the, to the cage, it ends off with basically almost like an illusion is his freedom. And we're totally seeing that nomad every time he, he, he grasps to try to sleep a little bit longer just so he can embrace his son kind of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's the illusion that's his peace. And then he returns to this empty world and that's the cage. Son of a gun. You got a good, you got a good story there. <laughs> yeah. 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 He, but no, 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 Matt, thank you for saying so. Well, he's, he, he's, he's on the quest for to, 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 to earn Tyon's, Tyon's approval and yeah. Tyon, Tyon, you know how it's like, in the mythology, like like the hero slays the dragon and gets the princess right. or whatever, right? And, and the but but like in this one, they see Tyon. Tyon is the moon at night, mm -hmm. and she's she's beautiful and she's glistening up in the in the sky, and she's always out of their reach. And the sun god is unattainable to yeah. them, but Tyon is closer, and Tyon is the one who like from from their worldview, it's it's the moon goddess who she's the one who's observing them, and to 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 have glory in battle or glory in combat or or to to take a heroic action or, or to do right by the world is to earn Tyon's affection. Right. Do you know what I totally. mean? And that's that's what all all of his people are trying to do. But Tyon is she's distant. She's out of reach. Yeah. You know, she's up in the sky. They can't reach her, and she's always out of reach. So you're always kind of on this journey that's never ending. Yeah. And that, in, in a weird way, ties into what what heroes do that is both right and both wrong, which is that they have a hard time putting the journey down. Right. Yeah. They have a hard time. You know what I mean? They, they, the hero needs to find balance between when they need to set the world right. And when they need to focus on their family yeah. and them, and themselves, do you know what I oh, mean? Totally. So Tyon, yeah. So Tyon is always just out of reach to his people and always out of reach to his journey yeah. in a sense. And, the, and, and it's like, She's just the treasure that you're always trying to attain. Yeah, and it's the journey, not the goal, really, is, is the, probably the idea behind yes. it. And then in the, when right. you see him with his family, you're noticing that he's like, he's telling the kid, like, you should be working on Tyon instead of actually embracing his kid or talking to his kid. And then later on, when he's mm -hmm. by himself, he's still wanting to impress Tyon, which is like he goes from the focus that, just, that he, you know, he should have focused on his family and said he's focused on this God goal. But then now it's all he has is that God goal. All he has is tie on. So now he has to focus on it to, to hold stability and have a thing to do. Otherwise he'd sit in an empty city forever, you know? So exactly. The, you're, you're, you're in the, you're in the empty city alone. If you don't appease the goddess, yeah. if you don't, if you don't, you know, and um, I, I, I think that that with nomad, especially like, I think what he hopefully learns over the course of that story is that he's closer to tie on than he thinks. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? And he, and he has to learn to find balance with, um, his pursuit of, of Tyon and his pursuit of her enemies to defeat them in battle mm -hmm. and finding that balance between his family. And, and I think that that's, that's the story of, of, you know, all crusaders in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, like, you know, if you're going to leave home to go set the world, right, but you have kids at home, like you, you do need to know the balance of that. Like when, when, when do you, when do you put the world before your, your soul? Right. 
You know what right. I mean? You know what I'm saying? And, and so that that I think is what I was trying to say with, with the nomad world. And and if you have to make that choice, will you make the right, right. one? And the entire time, you know what? We could keep going on on it. It's it's been it's so good, guys. Um, we're gonna include in the description all the different social media links you guys could be following Battle Quest. Make sure you're checking out about all the updates, where the latest conventions are gonna be at. They were just in Seattle. We had a guy that was there, and I was I was like, Hey, what are you doing this weekend? You wanna head over to Emerald? But he couldn't make it. Um, but yeah, you guys can follow him on all the social medias. We're also gonna link up to where you could uh, find the actual comic books and get yourself a copy of them. Um. Just all three are really worth a read. Even just a little bit that I, I mean, no matter I really dived into, but the other ones as well, they're all really good. So please check them out. Thank you so much for joining me today, Andrew. Yeah, de thank you. And definitely people, please support Battle Quest definitely, Comics. Definitely, definitely. You, you feel the hard work, it's well worth investing in. All right, guys. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you guys next week.